0: Welcome back to another episode of Quarantine Stream, yet another Sinistab podcast. My name is Jared Kingery, and my name is Cody Viafania. and joining us once again, uh, comedian uh, from New York City. I don't know why I said it like that, but Sean Donnelly, <laughs> said it Sean like
1: Acepicante <laughs> commercial. <laughs> yeah, that was like that was like an in-
0: indictment for some reason.
2: Yeah, I was like, what is he pausing for? What did I do? Uh, <laughs> Hi, hello, how are you?
0: <laughs> Good, Sean. Thanks for joining us again. Thank um, you for so. Um, we were talking a little bit last show about uh, quarantine um, and uh, doing stand up, and I, I know that uh, Cody had some questions for you. Uh,
1: yeah, he wanted
0: to ask and, and forgot to.
1: Yeah, I mean, oh, I sure. think some One of the most so when we started this podcast, we weren't necessarily aiming to talk exclusively to comedians, but it's for me, and I think Jared feels the same. We we landed on it because I think it's such an interesting industry in that you know, like with musicians, they, and I said this on a previous episode, musicians can like, you know, write music and record music and put out music, and they can also, you know, perform live on streaming. But comedians, you know, performing live on streaming would be, I I would assume, extremely uncomfortable. But also, you know, even if you are writing new material, you can't do the thing where you're practicing your material, because you can't get out in a club and go test out material. So I was just sort of wondering what that process has been like, like, Either if you've been writing material but can't perform it, or if it's sort of, you know, like or what it would take to get back into that process and just kind of how you're dealing with like the creative process of it all.
2: Well, uh, you're right. So the as far as the creative process it goes, I've been jotting down ideas here and there, but <clears throat> I'm one of those people that writes on stage. So if I have an I- a general idea that works, and you know, I might run it by somebody, you know, if, if, if they're willing. Uh, if I do it on stage and it hits, I add things to it that way. So I'm not—I call it page to the stage. I'm not a page to the stage guy. There's comics that whatever they write down at home, they just go and they say it on stage, and that's what they do. And I—I'm extremely jealous of that. So. Uh, the fact that I can't do that and a lot of comics are the same way as I am like they it, you need to feed off the energy of what's going on to get the to get the, the 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 balls or the guts to keep to keep going so the the creative process gets very stilted by that during the quarantine so the way people have been doing it is they've been doing these streaming shows online and they sound like disasters but if it's done the right way it actually is really fun like I've done a few of them and I got to be honest like I'm dreading it before, but it's because I have the same mindset as a live show where we're always thinking, oh, we want to kill. We want to do well. We want not embarrass ourselves, whatever it is. But once you get on there, you realize, hey, there's no stakes here. It doesn't matter. Everybody's just relaxed and having a good time. It's a weird situation. Writing stuff new is hard, and everybody knows that because only thing going on is this quarantine. So, kind of the same themes come up. So, mm-hmm. so many comic friends of mine are like, "Can we all make an agreement that when live shows happen again, that everybody's whole act isn't about the freaking quarantine?" Because, <laughs> and it's it's true. It's it's one of those things where the way I see it is because once once people come back to live shows. It, you can't, they're going to be so sick of it, they don't want you to talk about that for 20 minutes or 45 minutes if you're closing the show, whatever it is. So you might have, you might get away with one quick line when you get up there. It's all going to be the same vibe. Everybody's going to be excited they're out. They're going to have one quick line, and then you have to go in and do what do what you're doing and, and move on. So to write about the stuff you move on about is hard during a quarantine because that's what's going on. We're stuck in it. We haven't moved on yet. So I'm usually writing about stuff that's happening to me on a daily basis. So – yeah, there's a few ideas here and there, but yeah, you're absolutely right. It gets slowed down um, at times. It makes you uh, you you get you get very um, uh, thirsty for the for the for comedy. Like the first the first month, I was actually okay with not going up, but now I'm at the point where I miss it and I want to go back and I, and um, it's kind of it's a really weird feeling. So yeah, you're right. And 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 the answer to what what musicians do with their music um, the closest thing is if like uh, comics are putting content online like sketches and stuff like that or like videos of them running like all these different comedy ideas it'd be the equivalent of like musicians they're they're stuck in their houses they can't put their music on but they can put like commercial jingles they wrote you know what i'm saying like (laughs) yeah it's the same kind of probably feeling of like this isn't what i do but it's adjacent to what i do so i i have to get it out there and and we're living in a time where you know the online stuff is king man like the social media followers and all that you're just trying to keep your head above water normally so it's like if you don't have the live part you're just on there putting out whatever content you can to be like
1: don't forget about me kind of thing it's kind of it's very it's kind of perverse and it's 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 sad in the same way you know have, have the show have the online stuff that you've done has it been like zoom performances that you've done
2: yeah it's zoom i did one that was a theme show for the club, the helium club i don't know if you know the heliums but they're sure. really yeah. good chain of clubs Uh, And they did like a newlywed game. So me and my buddy Kevin Ryan, who's a really funny comic, we did it against other couple comics. You know, like other other comic couples set up like the newlywed game, and it was and people watched that and they paid for tickets for that, and it was really fun because. We were making jokes just on the fly, and we were all we all kind we all knew each other that were in the in the uh, in the show together. So instead of it being this stilted thing where I set up a, a makeshift comedy club in my room, and I'm and I'm, I'm it's like you become Rupert Pubkin from King of the Comedy, <laughs> it, 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 you know. Instead of that, you're you're making these organic jokes about your friends or, or you know just how how insane you are from being inside. So I did another couple of shows that were. Um, not not theme shows that they were straight up stand up shows, but I'm not doing my old jokes. I'm just ranting about what I did that day or ranting about like trying to come up with. Yeah. It's almost like you're writing out loud to the the cameras, you know, to the to the to the Zoom camera. You're. It's almost like you're working out stuff, but that's the actual set on Zoom, you know.
0: So what about uh, uh, touring? Uh, I don't know how much you toured at all, but I, I did see you last year very briefly uh, at Moon Tower. Yeah. Uh, which of course got canceled. I saw you. This is how how crazy of a murderer's row moon tower is. If anybody doesn't know the, the moon tower comedy festival, <laughs> um, it was um, it was Sal Volcano's uh showcase or, or or uh headlining show, yeah. And it was you were hosting, followed by Steve Byrne featuring, and then Sal Volcano, which yeah. is a, a nutso <laughs> lineup of comedy. To see, uh, you know, you know, have all those great comedians just, you know, doing smaller bits there. Um, has it, you know, obviously, I don't know if you were supposed to go to Moon Tower this year, but that was canceled or postponed. Yeah. No, obviously, I wasn't
2: supposed to go this year, but yeah, I heard it was canceled.
0: Um, and then, uh, so, so, like touring—is that something you will be comfortable going back to? Um, after this is all over. I know you, you talked about going up in New York a lot, but will you be okay getting on an airplane and staying in a hotel and all this other stuff?
2: Oh, I personally once, like I said, if I get past a certain point with this where it's down to, you know, uh, lower levels and I'd be fine with the traveling part of it. But the fact of the matter is, I don't think that's going to that's the rollout of regular people going back to work is going to be way earlier than comics going back on the road. And the ones that do, there's a whole nobody knows what it's going to be in a month or two months. Like, comic-wise. So, the theory out there that I actually kind of agree with is everybody takes a step back. Meaning... I went. I'll go from being a headliner to I'll go for featuring for bigger names. Uh, Yeah, like stuff like that, where it's like I'm not. You know, I don't have a million followers on Twitter, so that's what's going to count. Whoever these names, whoever whoever draws the most people, that's who you're going to see in these places. Once people can be drawn again to go to these clubs, so I have no problem with going back on the road. To be honest, it it makes me less hungry to want to go out just to feature, unless it was a really good. Uh, like, a really good touring gig with somebody that I was maybe buddies with or somebody I really respected. But, like, I, I, don't, I don't... I'd don't rather just maybe stay in New York, perform around here, and concentrate on, you know, building up the following online and stuff like that. That, that would make more sense to me than than jumping right back out. Like, like there's, there's two things you can do as a comic. You can do the road you like to do and the road you have to do. Like, so it's... The road you're doing for money is, like, there's a lot of bullshit places out there that you don't, like, want to come back to, but you do because you need the money. And there's a lot of places that... You get there and it's such an amazing club or such an amazing town that you ha- you it's an absolute joy to be there for the five shows you're there you know that kind of thing. So I would it makes me uh, as far as the road goes it makes me lean towards maybe I'll just go do the road that I want to do from now on. Get, mm-hmm. get, yeah, and I'm I've not- I've even gotten to that point a little bit before the quarantine where I was I was turning down random stuff that I knew would be a disaster. Like and I'm not thinking I ha- I don't have any misconceptions about my career. Like I have. a a very small following, but there's things that I've been offered that I'm like, no money wise, it's not worth it. Or just complete horrible comedy show situation. Can you do stand up at my sister's bachelorette party? Stuff like that. Where It's like, (laughs) no, no, I, I can't do that. So, you have to kind. Con- everybody's taking inventory right now, and and what comes out, I think, is going to be some people quitting, some people not moving back to New York, some people hitting the road maybe from where they're from and doing that when that comes back full fledged. But it definitely affects it, man. Like it definitely it affects you personally, and it affects the amount of um, the amount of road stuff there'll be, and the money, and uh, just everybody's career in general. But as far as the traveling itself goes, yeah, I wouldn't have a problem with that if it was worthwhile.
1: You know, it's it's interesting you say that because because that's, you know, the the point about everyone taking a step back was something that my that my friend and and former guest on the show, Jerry Rocho, was talking about, who's in l a, who was saying that the like, a big concern would be that, you know, the big theater guys now move down to comedy clubs yep. and then and then the club guys are then kind of bumped to features and then that that sort of, you know, the hierarchy kind of changes because people won't want to gather in big spaces or, you know, whatever, you know, risks come with that or whatever. Nobody really knows what it's going to look like, but that's always the risk. So what I'm curious about is do you feel like now more than ever it's important for stand-ups to have an alternative means of having an audience and an outlet. So, you know, comedians with with podcasts or or in your case you have your radio show. Do, do you feel like that can serve as sort of an extension of your comedy that maybe wasn't there previously but now you can take advantage of and and kind of supplement any lost opportunities like in the in you know clubs?
2: Um yes, I think they both I think the 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 online uh, feeds the road the way from my understanding I was not a comedy a comic in the eighties and nineties I started in two thousand six but when I was when, but from what I understand the way it used to be was uh, these guys would travel around and by word of mouth you would go back to the clubs if you did well and you got a good reputation unless you were some it always had the celebrity aspect to it but uh, and if you were a big if you were a big name, you would get the gigs regardless. But the comics that were good, you could start drawing because you would do the same clubs year after year. That I don't think happens anymore. Everything is born off of online. Everything uh, – so that's why, like like I was saying, for my as my plan goes, it's worth it for me to stay here and not do uh, some road I don't want to do. If it means I can do a, a podcast like yours or I can do uh, some online stuff – or, or an audition or something that would help me get the followers so I get to the point where live stuff is, uh, is me picking and choosing what you want to do. It's like you in the most relaxed form of live stuff. You know what I mean? Like where it's um, – It's live stuff is just a convenience where you're like, like you're you're loving it more because hey, I'm going to this theater that I want to do because I gained five hundred thousand Twitter followers. So that's the goal of the whole thing. And the way it used to be was the road could do it because you were doing it off of mailing lists and you were, hey, when I'm in your town again, I'll send you a postcard. Like it was like that. That archaic, and now what it is is like no 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 if I well if I spend spend a day producing a funny video that gets me five it gets me uh fifty thousand likes on Instagram that was more worth it than doing five shows at a comedy club. Yeah, but I hate to say it because I I got into this for stand up and I love stand up.
0: Yeah, I mean it's 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 such a, a different you know it's it's the thing everyone takes for granted like the fact that just going out and watching a show whatever it is 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 something that. I don't. I don't know that. It's hard to tell whether people will want to go back to that or not. You know, there. Like Cody said, there's, there's everyone. Every comic that that we talk to and that I've heard talk about it on podcast or radio thinks that you know this is gonna like the Bill Burrs and the Dave Chappelle's are gonna be the guys that are taking up the club spots.
2: No, no, um, no, no. I'll tell you what. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. You didn't finish. I'm sorry.
0: No, no, no. If you disagree, that's totally fine. I, I've just heard that from a lot of people that they think that. Uh, you know that those mid levels or those club level spots will go away until like the big theaters fill back up. But if they, you think something different, please.
2: Are they saying that based off the fact that they think numbers wise, people going outside is going to diminish so much that they can't fill the theaters anymore? I, right. I think, they think
1: that. Well, I think it's 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 possibly that, but also just the the possibility of like gatherings of thousands of people. It might be more be comfortable to have you know either not allowed or it might be more comfortable to gather you know with a couple hundred or a few hundred instead of like you know you know three thousand people or
2: right. But once it's but right, and I think that could happen at first where these guys. But to be honest, if you're a Chappelle, like I don't, I cause he even kind of mentioned it in one of the last specials. If you're a Chappelle, I don't think you're doing any stand up. I think you're maybe dropping in on clubs if they open back up. But if you're a guy at that level, uh you're uh, at that level, you're not. A burr or a, or a Chappelle, you're not going back to clubs. I I, yeah. I I think there's I think there's people on the borderline that are that started doing theaters that could maybe would definitely go back to clubs that don't have as big of a name. But when you're talking legend status, they just um they just don't uh they could just literally uh, they don't just, have to do they don't anything. have to yeah. go out they don't have yeah. to do it for the money. It's, it's you know that guy has they all have tons of cash. So it's like yeah some you know so so you get to a point where you're like. Oh, it's not worth it for me to take the step back and go to clubs and have to do because they're gonna have to go to that town and be there for three days and do five shows. Or you're saying they go to a, yeah they go to a town and they're doing it would make the make it that much more exclusive. If yeah, they were I, going I, going to do two shows in one night in a random town, yeah, they could do that. <laughs> like a pop up thing, I could see that more than a a set. Like he's who's here this weekend, David Chappelle. It's like I don't yeah, see like, that happening. What, yeah. like,
0: like, yeah, <laughs> like Dave, Dave Chappelle's in the middle of uh, Wyoming somewhere, like playing it. <laughs> yeah,
1: he's in Bozeman, Montana. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: I, I, I mean, I mean, that may just be like a, a kind of a fear that of people have that in the industry, you know, that kind of yeah. worried about their position going forward. So, me
2: too. I, I totally think, get it. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's interesting to hear a different take, and I never—I don't think we've heard that yet. That say like, no, these guys aren't going to bother with that because they don't need
2: well, to. Well, think you know? about it. If, how much money do you think Dave Chappelle has? Like, like, oh, I know. If you were I mean, him, yeah. Like, honestly, think about the logistics of what Dave Chappelle does. If he goes to a town, I'm not saying he has a complete entourage, but I'm, he has a crew that I, I don't know if he's flying everybody out or if he, you know. I've seen him in New York, and he has a whole crew. So maybe it's just guys he knew from here. But like, just the logistics part is probably he doesn't make enough money to do. Uh, a couple nights in a random town in a club I, I could be completely wrong I have no idea I'm just saying that I think that he looks at it he's like nah the money's not worth it like they're all looking at like when they go do live stuff yeah they love doing stand up but like why not he could be like I could just take a trip to New York and do an hour on at the cellar or two hours at the cellar if I wanted to you know if, yeah. it's, it's,
1: it's so much easier you know. do, do you think that changes the, the rate at which stand up specials have been coming out because it seems like especially since Netflix has come out and, and put a lot of money I mean last year Netflix I think put out a new special every week uh, for an entire year, and it and and it seems like you know those types of things are coming you know at a faster clip. Do you think that 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 it changes anything because they're not on the road working the material as much, or do you think they just kind of put out a special without as much touring as they're used to?
2: Well, in the case of the guys, I don't know. You mean as far as guys like Chappelle go?
1: Well, I, I mean everyone really, because I think that because I mean we talked to Eddie Pence a couple weeks ago and. He he he's had a special in the can for a while that has been delayed because other specials have been delayed through Comedy Dynamics, which is the distributor that picked up his special. So yeah. like his special's done and on the back burner for until like September, and it's been done for almost a year. So I was just kind of curious and to, see to if, go if, to if Netflix. That would that. He's going to Netflix. It's Comedy Dynamics, so it'll probably be put out on multiple platforms. Uh, yeah. to, to like like VOD platforms. But right, uh, right, yeah. okay. Yeah,
2: I think that. Um, I think you're right. I think there'll be less people because of being able to get out and work stuff out. Uh, and I think they're also going to take. I don't know what they're. You know, I think they have to. I don't know what the. I, so say you're going based off Netflix. It's like if they did la- – Yeah, right. They they did 52 specials last year because of the one a week thing. I think just for the sake of shaking it up, if that wasn't if that wasn't productive for them, I'm sure they'll just say, "Hey, we're going to have to we'll do we'll do less or we'll do." Um, well, they'll do like what they did with the half hours or the fifteen minutes, where maybe we'll do that and we'll spend less money than doing. Um, it depends on how many more subscribers. Like like Seinfeld just had that that special come out. So yeah, I think there'll be less overall because in general, and then also because of uh, the, the the market is so saturated. Like look what you said, Eddie. You know Eddie has this thing going out. There's people that have are putting their on YouTube. Mark Norman, who you'd think would be. On Netflix. Yeah. Uh he's a, a buddy of mine and I'm surprised he didn't sell it to any of the of the the streaming platform. He put it out on YouTube tonight. It's airing tonight. So yeah. yeah. A guy like that putting it out and, and then also you see tons of people on, on on every like think about how many different sources you can get an hour special from.
1: Sure. <laughs>
2: so yeah, if I was Netflix I'd be like, Yeah, let's let's dial back on it and we'll do sketch or we'll do something that's not people aren't doing or something, you know?
0: Well, and I mean, they're, and they're pumping out, you know, they're giving like the Chappelle's and the Chris rocks and the Seinfeld's right. 20 million per. And I mean, you know, they yeah obviously those are the big draws, but I mean, you know, if you, there's so many people like, like Ali Wong became famous because of Netflix, you know, being on the, the front page. And, and I think, and if I, if I'm mistaking this, I'm not sure, but I, I think Burr really took off when Netflix uh, put his specials on the home page yeah things like that that you know that that these comedians that didn't you know chris rock had snl Chappelle had Chappelle's show seinfeld of course had seinfeld you know so those guys are built-in names but guys like burr that, that worked their way up and and jim gaffigan and all these other guys that you know that becoming household names was part of this 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 shift to streaming i think because you don't have to sit and you know wait for comedy central to air it you know on a friday night it just shows up on your home page and you can watch it whenever um but yeah, I, I, I don't know where I'm going with that. Honestly. No, I, I, I hear
2: you. <laughs> and I think that um, I, I don't know if the time when Ali Wong's first special came out, I don't know if it's the same – it has the same effect now. If you, you – say, say it was me and my special was on Netflix's homepage I don't know if it would have the same thing. Ali Wong had a thing where – I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm saying this because there was a not, not enough in the industry. She was an Asian woman. She's a very funny comic. She's very likable, and she was yeah. she was pregnant. There was a hook to it. So there's yeah. a lot of – and it was a woman – and, and it was, uh, there's a lot of, uh, for lack of a better phrase, there was a lot of girl power in that promotion. Like It's whatever can be promoted the best. And, and, and not only did she have a great story, she could back it up by being funny as well. So right. that's like a double double threat. So at that point, she takes right off and and uh, but as far as like uh, if somebody did it now, I don't think it would hit as hard because people are watching prime stuff. People are watching when she did that. That was a few years ago. Netflix was big dog in it. Like they were they were big big big.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, I mean the the money they threw at some people is is insane. Oh, and I mean like yeah. like the like again. And you know, I'm not trying to throw anybody any shade at anyone, but you know, some of these these don't really they they're not like the the groundbreaking specials like you might have seen, you know, 15 20 years ago. You know, what I mean like I you know, um
1: Well, I mean uh, there was there was a time where you could only find specials in a couple sources, right? It was like HBO yeah, or I mean like like Comosexual. like Bring the
0: Pain, like Chris Rock's Bring the Pain is legendary. Yeah. You know, what yeah. I mean it's such a great great special. And there but but uh, you're right
2: though. There was way less when that came out. Way less. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, and, the, and also, yeah. the, the, the special, as a comic, I do kind of, that's what got me upset, speaking of Gerard, Gerard Carmichael, we talked about him because Car- <laughs> your name is, now, I think Gerard's a really funny guy, man, and I don't even know if he does stand-up anymore, but I was kind of disappointed when his first special, which was the first thing he did on TV, he turned down late night sets, he turned down a half hour, he turned down a lot of stuff from what I hear. And the only disappointing part, he's still a funny guy. He did it like he was running through it. Like he did it where i I referring to his notebook and it was a lot of half-finished stuff, I think, and, and it was ideas. And he wanted to have a feel of like, oh, yeah, I'm working on this as we're going. But to me, I'm kind of old school in the fact that like, I respect things like bringing the paint, where it was like a perfectly crafted hour of material. Doing a, a, a an hour of stand up that that keeps somebody uh, interested the entire time is so hard, man. That can be on uh-huh. TV and be be yeah. completely dissected as much as possible. So I think that, um, yeah, I think there should be less. I think they shouldn't be. I, the, there's a lot of people that like not to, like you said not throwing shade, but. A lot of people think they're ready to put a special out, like you're, you're not ready. Like you're not ready, but but the thing is, the way the climate is now, you are ready because why not do it yourself? Because if you can get yourself the listeners and or the, the the viewers and the likes on Facebook or the or the Instagram followers, then that's the way things are measured now anyway. But the way because of our age and because of the way we think about comedy, like you were saying, back in the day, you had these specials that were so. Like, like uh, they were so like crafted and so like, hey, they were coming out few, far in between. So I really respect you respected it way more. And because it was, it was the culmination of a guy doing the road probably for like ten years. You know.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's still stuff that I hearken back to. Again, like uh, um, uh, bring the pain, but then. But I Go do.
2: Ahead, I'm sorry. Oh, sorry. I was just going to say one last thing. I I, I do think that. Uh, there are specials that affect. I'm, to be completely brutally honest, I'm not a huge Chris Rock fan. I'm not. I, I think he's. I know he's a legend, and I respect what he does. But he's not no. like. But to me, like I think. Um. Uh. The Bill Burr's black and white special, the one that was black and white, was uh way more of a to me. As watching that, I was blown away by that more than like. A, but bring the pain is amazing. Like it's an amazing special. Oh, yeah. But I think. But the Bill the the that Bill Burr special is one of the best things there is i also i love mulaney and mulaney's the comeback yeah, kids uh-huh. special to me is is like the way it looks everything about it like that i'm like that deserves it like that deserves that whole hour that deserves to be on netflix it, like, he deserves to be who he is because of that you
0: know i think i think cody and i quote uh, new in town to each other oh that's that's one of bit. my favorite specials of all oh, time it's fantastic
1: new in town yeah
0: uh i, I even go back uh like and and I hadn't revisited honestly until he died was uh, uh, Robin Williams live at the Met. I know it's a different sort of comedy, but goddamn, that is some f- that still holds up. Yeah, one hundred percent to me. And even like uh, uh, Raw. Uh, eddie murphy raw I, I know it's there's half of it that's totally politically incorrect yeah now yeah, and yeah completely yeah. offensive but man even out, outside of that stuff that thing is it's, is gold it,
1: it's crazy to me to think about how like like something like that because because those eddie murphy specials were huge in like theatrically right i mean those were those were released oh, in yeah. theaters yeah. and yeah. In, in big money makers and yeah like I, I can't I can't even remember the last because I know that like on like, I think like David Cross put his special theatrically a few in, in, in like a handful of theaters but like that's something that I can't believe has kind of gone away because I think that that because when you there's there's nothing like watching like an infectious comedy movie like Jared and I were talking about it a few weeks ago but like the the some of the greatest experiences I think both of us have had in a theater are either like with like the Jackass movies. <laughs> uh, or, um, or like the disaster artist. we were at the premiere for the disaster artist, yeah. and it was like, th- there was an electricity in the room w- when you're watching a great comedy and there's a hundred or 200 or 300 other people who are all laughing at the same time. It's so weird that like the comedy film has just disappeared entirely.
2: Yes. And I think you're absolutely right. And it's funny because I had, I used to have a different stance on it. Cause I, I do love when I'm, there's not many people in the theater cause I don't like people talking in a the theater. But um, I'm buddies with a guy who's a screenwriter. He's a really um, he's, he's he does fantastic. He's this guy Aaron Krueger, Do you know who that is? Oh yeah, I did uh, Reindeer
0: Games and Scream Three
2: and uh, yeah, 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 and he did Arlington Road, which is actually a really underrated movie. Oh yes, um, yes. Anyway, so I'm I'm uh, he I'm I'm buddies with him, but I I know him through a friend of mine. And he brought up a great point once. Like I go, I love when the movie theater is empty, and he goes, I don't. And he said basically what you just said. He goes, he goes. When you go see a comedy, you want to be everybody. You want to hear everybody laughing. When you go see an action movie, you want to hear everybody freak out. You want a scary movie. You want to hear everybody jump. Like that's part of the experience. And I was like, you know what? You're right. Like that definitely is is part of it. So now I have a different mindset when it comes to that stuff. I think you're absolutely right. I think it's like, like the like especially comedies. That's why it sucks that all these things are going on demand because. There's nothing let, like we, that's why comedy club audiences work because when you hear other people laugh, more people want to yeah. laugh. Like, like we're all you know, it's not to get too uh hippie ish here, but we are all connected. Like, we all have the same shared experiences, so like it makes you feel better to laugh at something if you hear somebody else laugh at it, you
1: know. Well, I think it's a I, release, too. I mean, of absolutely. tension.
0: Now that I think about it, I think the last big comedy film that I remember theatrical was the original Kings of Comedy.
1: Yeah, that had that's a big what, release. That had a huge
2: release, but that was the last comedy movie to come out, like stand up. Well, no, 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 it's not the last one. Cause, oh. Uh, oh, Kevin, Kevin Hart, Hart did Hart his, yeah,
0: had that weird spy, whatever that was, that weird spy movie, like
2: subplot to it. Oh yeah, uh, that guy is just so, he's just beyond, beyond celebrity. That guy, it's like insane. I mean, that guy's he's playing football stadium which like, to how... me I'm like you're just you might as well just do it as a world a Guinness World book record like it's not worth <laughs> even having the show at that point like if you're in a football stadium doing the art of stand-up comedy you've 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 lost it like that's you're done like you're not there's not gonna be there's no way that a thousand of those people aren't talking the entire time like you know what I mean like right there's no way you can get the attention you need so it just becomes a variety show like there was pyrotechnics and video screens and like right. that has to be the case if you're in a football stadium so I totally get it but that guy Talk about like pulling yourself up by the bootstraps and just really th- what a driven guy that guy is. I, I do kind of uh, I mean, wonder
1: if 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 when Eddie Murphy eventually releases his Netflix specials, if they will do like a theatrical run of those to to I mean to harken it back to you know when when those specials were huge in theaters. That that would be kind of like a cool touch that they could do. I think
2: it could that could be awesome. Uh, but the thing, the fact, of the matter is, less people are more people are going on Netflix than they're going they're yeah. going to the movies a lot of the time. So. Uh, it's it's a bigger deal for him. the the deal he made was a bigger deal. That was the it's coming out in the theaters level news. That back in the that 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 instead of it actually being in the theaters, like that's not going to be as big of a deal as. Oh, it's dropping tomorrow, or that yeah. he made 20 million, or it's, uh, uh, what, what, you know what I'm saying? Like the news part of it is that he's coming back. You know, like it used to be like, oh, he's a comic that's working and, and he's doing it. Like going to the movies is uh, less of a deal now than it was, like, less of a big deal than it was and, back in the day. And, and don't forget, he was 19. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, he was, I mean, Wait, it's a, during it's, which one, Raw?
0: Uh, the uh Delir- uh delirious was uh, oh, yeah he was yeah. nineteen yeah 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 but yeah yeah I mean that was like right off SNL, uh, I mean it was Jesus it's unreal how how yeah you, I mean you look at him and he uh, obviously he he looks great still like he he doesn't look like he's aged at all and he's only in his fifties
2: he's in his fifties yeah, yeah I know
0: and you look at at delirious and this guy this is is a nineteen year old just murdering, I mean the biggest star in the world at the time. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's incredible. Um, so, uh, so I think to, to get us back on, on, uh, where we need to go here, uh, we're talking about movies. Uh, so we had, uh, some recommendations for you, which is the premise of the show. Sean, uh, is what you're watching during quarantine. So Cody and I recommended a movie for, uh, each of us recommended a movie for you to watch and you chose from them. Let's remind them of our picks.
1: Uh, Cody, you had, what was it again? I had Alita Battle Angel, the Robert Rodriguez uh, CGI fest. Okay, and I picked
0: Demolition Man, the Sylvester Stallone Wesley Snipes classic from the 90s. So, Sean, which film did you pick? I picked demolition man
2: hey yeah. that's a point <laughs> that's, for me that's fair,
1: that's fair. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I well, just be- you know being you know being uh, you know our age you know being the time frame that it was and I hadn't seen it I'm like I gotta check out what the fuss is about uh, and it was because it was because because uh, Jared's right like it was such a huge deal when we were kids
0: and you you didn't see it initially when it when it was out because I think no. we would have been like you know 14 13 14.
2: I didn't see it, and I don't know why I didn't see it. I have no idea. I guess I would, we were 16 when, when it came out, uh, which ba- you're basically the same age. But, like, I don't yeah. know why I never saw it the original run. And I got to be honest, like, I didn't know much about it, mm-hmm. and it's completely different from how you think it's going to be. Like it, it is. So, so what, what were you expecting? I think I was expecting, like, a um, – not not Cobra. You know how Cobra is, but like
0: right, yeah, yeah. a
2: Cobra level uh, taking itself seriousness type movie, but okay, but a, but futuristic. So like, almost like um, with the point of view of like a, a, a normal Sylvester Stallone uh, action movie. Like they they're like they're in there. Usually those movies, like you name any of them. I just watched the newest Rambo. Like they're in that Ooh, world. Yeah. There's no stepping outside that world and going. Oh, there's no tongue in cheekness to most yeah, of what yeah. Stallone does. So I, because it came out in '94, and because, like, even even Wesley Snipes, like he wasn't thought of as some comedy star. Like I didn't realize how much goofiness and comedy comedy would be <laughs> in the movie. I, I just thought it was a straight up action movie, you know. And uh, it was kind of it was refreshing that that happened. Uh, and overall, I don't know. Was well, the second point is if I liked it, right?
0: Well well let's we'll get to that in a second. Let's oh, sorry. let's talk a little bit I just want to talk a little bit more about the movie because this is kind of um uh Cody w- watched this too uh while we were you know uh taking a, you know in between shows and Cody you mentioned that you can't believe that the uh right wing oh. uh, hasn't uh adopted
1: this film Oh yeah. A, this this is a- this is ripe for a maga like co-opting where, <laughs> where where they take a look at like how how like uh, like like uh I, what's the word i don't know what the word would be but like how Put, like weak, how cucked yeah how cucked society has become and this is what happens when you uh you know people like don't you know you get fined for cursing and you don't have free speech and like like there's so many yeah. different elements here where i was watching it and being like man don't show the maga people this movie or this will be their new rallying <laughs> but, uh, but, but like i i was actually i i'm, I'm with sean in that i i i I, I don't know that I had ever seen this movie. If I had I would have been young. I was pretty young when it came out, but two things stood out to me. One was that um I like I was surprised at, at the level of like like poking fun. Like it's it's satir- it's super satirical, like unbelievably satirical. Yes, yes. It and, 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 and very entertaining in that. But and like also, making
2: making fun of itself as it's going
1: on. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But also, like god damn, Wesley Snipes was a fucking movie star back in like he's so fun in this movie yeah uh, that's something i had forgotten
2: also one thing i never one thing i realized about this movie watching it is that him like demolition man john whatever his name is i already forgot his name spartan spartan and uh and and wesley snipes it's a it's a batman joker relationship yeah 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 and the one of the things that put that into my head is that i was convinced i looked it up and it's not true that's not the same person the score of this movie sounds like it's the 1989 batman or whatever it's oh danny, yeah. danny elfman danny Elfman's score but it's not it's another another composer but i'm sitting there going this sounds exactly like batman even the even the uh even the opening scene like the way it's shot he's fighting mm-hmm. the all the henchmen to get to wesley snipes it's a very very batman-esque type type scenario
0: Yeah, it's a very um, you know obviously in '94, it's still heavily under the influence of those Tim Burton Batman movies, uh, just like everything else was you know kind of blockbuster at the time. Right, right. And I I think that um, it's almost like watching a comic book movie about characters you've never heard of before.
2: Yes, absolutely. Uh, The the, the fact that they say his John Spartan, uh, John Spartan, right? Is that it? yeah, Uh, Yeah. They say his name so many times. You do start to think, am I supposed to know who this is? Like, you're, just, <laughs> you're like, did I miss, you're right, did I miss some kind of cartoon or comic book when I was a kid?
0: Yeah, um, and I believe uh, um, it's, uh, they're, they're, he talked about making a sequel recently, something that I don't know how that could possibly oh, be. Oh God, that's,
2: that's strange, because he wanted but to this... get done with Rambo, so like Rambo's probably the last one, and... Rambo was made because he said he would do uh, Rambo. What was it? Rambo was made hand in hand with um, another last movie. Uh, the, uh, Creed two. Maybe the last, the last Rocky. Oh, uh, the uh, Creed two. Maybe Creed. I'll do that if you do the last Rambo whatever. I forget what. Yeah, it was. yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but
2: I mean, it,
0: it it's also weird to me that this wasn't a franchise. This didn't have a sequel back I then will- because it seemed like kind of built for it well I
1: kind of wonder because I because you have to you have to think that the success of the movie is a lot on the shoulders of Wesley Snipes who gets his head taken off at the end of the movie so yeah yeah, yeah. I don't really I I mean I guess because I don't think I don't look at this so I mean from my perspective I I don't see this as a Stallone movie I see it as more of a Snipes movie in terms of just like taking the screen because I mean Stallone's I I, I mean Stallone character is really good but Um, but like, that's, that's a movie where if you don't have a villain to that level of, um, like that, that dynamic and like Sean said, the Batman and Robin or the Batman and Joker sort of play off between them, like you would really have to build in a really great villain in order for a movie to be, uh, on that level of success, I think.
2: Yeah. And they have him as a pretty, it's funny because, you know, the, the, the play on the innocence in the movie is... Is, uh, is interesting when you're sitting there going, oh, they're they're making fun of this society and they're making fun of what can happen when you're too polite, but uh, but like the the level of violence that happens in in, in kind of a <laughs> counteract to it is kind of insane. Like like he just murders everybody and then, like Wesley Snipes just murders everybody and that, that he wants to in the movie. And it's like, oh, he's not the smartest of villains, but he definitely is. Like it's he's he's not too like uh, diabolical, but he's like fun to watch. It's like that kind of thing.
0: Yeah, uh I I was surprised uh going back to it. I didn't realize it was an R, like that it was rated R yeah. and that it's a it's a pretty hard R when it comes to violence and language. I thought based on the fact that this was uh like had a Taco Bell promotion built into it yeah. and uh had action figures that it was something that was PG-13 because that's just how it goes now. Uh but yeah, this was definitely an R-rated film and it's really I don't know that it would get made like that at all today.
2: No, because they would especially if they had all the tie-ins because the whole point the whole point of the movie would have been product placement not just the So, but but the the weird thing is it was it was an interesting choice for cuz Stallone it was like you have Stallone and yeah, I think it was Wesley Snipes was a better in this movie, but with the names you had associated with it cuz you had Wesley Snipes, who was huge then, because I think Passenger Fifty Seven was like a couple years be- or a year before, and then uh, Blade didn't come out yet. But you mean like he was a big star, like it was pre all his problems. Sandra Bullock, that must have been the next thing she did after Speed, right? Or did she do?
0: Speed? Uh, yeah, I believe so. I thought it was before, but um, well, when did it? When was it really? Okay, yeah, this was after Speed because Speed it, both both came out in ninety three. Uh,
2: so, uh, right. Okay. 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 So, oh, this came out in ninety three or ninety four.
0: Uh, 93 is what I'm Oh, okay, like. oh,
2: 93. So it must have been the same. Yeah, they're produced on the same time. I think Speed yeah. was her first movie, so this must have been right after it, the more I think about it.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was a one-two punch, whatever. Right, However, right, but it it's funny that she picked out.
2: this at next. Like, she wasn't... It was very very strange pick. And then on top of you, have like Dennis Leary, who I think the only reason they put him in this is they had that one scene where he's just kind of doing his act to them. Like yeah, exactly. Exactly. Like he became the... He was like the rant guy. Like somebody... Some movie exec was like, get me that guy. Get me that MTV rant guy. Remember he used to do like the... Him smoking, yeah. going. You know what I hate? I hate these kids with that. You know, like that. Like, like he was that guy to <laughs> the world. So some '90s movie exec was like, "We'll just put him in wherever." Like, you know, like yeah. that.
1: You know, Bill Hicks I said think- no, so they had to get Dennis Leary to come. <laughs> in. Oh,
0: boo. I think they literally used his headshot in one of those, uh, like where they looked him up on the computer. Oh, did they really? Like, oh, that's it so looks like funny. A, But uh, uh, so just to go back, this film is actually a year before Speed, so this this was Sandra Bullock pre-Speed, really ninety four. I thought it was ninety three. So yeah, I
2: guess that's wow. I guess that was the movie that but Speed was broke her out, but this was a big movie though. So why people always reference? I guess she became a movie star. She was just in this. She became a movie. Star I mean, she in speed. she's
0: definitely the third lead. You know, it's not like right. she's uh, right. Exactly. You know, she's, I mean, this is a this is a Stallone Snipes movie. But 100%.
2: but it is the '90s, and the like they didn't go for big names in those roles. Like those the I hate to say it, but the the woman woman role the women's roles were very secondary in these kind of movies. So yeah, like she like she could have had the career path where she did a few of these, and then kind of when she got older, she went into obscurity, which unfortunately happens a lot. You know.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, I mean there's plenty of, of oh my uh, unfortunately god. women in the in 90s movies. you're like what happened to this person? Oh my
2: god. Yeah. It's, it, it's tons of them. It's like I'd love to see what happened to. Them. And and a lot of them just still act but they age out of things, which is such a horrible uh, scenario. Or like
0: yeah, like now uh uh um they're playing the mom character or whatever. Right, right, like, exactly. Like, it's like Gar- Garcelle Bouvet who was on uh, the Jamie Foxx show which I watched a lot cuz it was on at work when I was there. Right. Uh it was like you know, she was like the the lead, the second lead in the show, and now she like played the, a cameo in Spider Man: Far From Home or uh, Homecoming as like someone's mom. So it's just, yeah. it's yeah.
2: Yeah, it's, it's right. It gets to the point where they're like, it makes you realize, and I've realized it from just being in in this business, uh, the little bit of acting that I've done. It's like, oh, they they have the outlook like, hey, I'm working, I'll just work. Like, I'll just yeah. Work. There's that famous, I've said it before on my podcast, the famous Michael Caine quote where he says, they asked him once, like back in the day, what goes into your decision decision about what movies you do, and he says, if there's a paycheck, I'll do it. <laughs> <laughs> that,
0: yeah, fam- famously, he didn't accept his Oscar in person because he was filming Jaws: The Revenge.
2: Yes, I I did hear that for Hannah and her sisters, right? Or for yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, no, it no, was, no, 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 uh, for. Uh, uh,
0: something Hannah and her sisters was too soon su- that was, was older that wasn't uh, him yeah, yeah yeah but yeah, I know, I know what, what you're you talking about yeah 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 he was which is a terrible movie so okay yeah, so yeah, what d- that I, I, uh, the I,
2: jaws I, the revenge is the one where he gets thrown into the water and come and climbs onto the boat dry you ever hear about that one? yeah out
0: of the the plane like the jaws
1: takes down the plane um. <laughs> that's right <laughs> so so one one quick thing that if I had a if I had a note about demolition man i i think that like 20 25 years later yeah on on one level i really appreciate the attention to detail and like the commitment to the joke so like every time a curse word is said you hear like a thing going on in the background like notifying it which is even even
2: even faintly which is great
1: yeah it's a great attention to detail that that said i do feel like at times i i felt like it was like very on the nose and like okay we get it like you're in a you're in like a washed like a watered down society and i feel like and i feel like maybe they 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 went to the mind too much a a little bit um throughout Um, it was a little too obvious but well i think i think you're right but i think also that was the point so yeah
2: because if you if you didn't do that he wouldn't have gotten as frustrated with it like you almost had to beat him over the head with it so that he that's why he curses and gets all mad but one of the i was going to say this you're right about the detail too because one of the things i did notice is that when he curses in like the supreme leader's office when he's in there Mm -hmm. there is no buzzer right which is interesting to me because it's like oh obviously the guy's not going to put that machine where he is because he's in charge of everything yeah. Like I, I, maybe that not wasn't the point, but I think that was the point. Like you're not going to hear a bu- like he's not going to get called on cursing. Like he can do whatever he wants. No, it, it's he,
0: it's it's really great sound design, honestly. Just that that little like yeah. you know because it's obviously some of it's obviously thrown in. You know that, that prop. You know they're they're not shooting that prop as it as it happens.
2: You so. know what this was? It was like this weird weird uh, balancing act of where this was a B movie and it was making fun of B movies at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Does that yeah. make sense? I, I'm, like, like
0: I, yeah. Sorry. Re, sorry. Just saying. Rewatching it, I'm I, you know, really surprised at how kind of self aware it was. Of its. You oh know, yeah, ha- that
2: that was the appeal to this thing. You know, the, the appeal to this was was how. Uh, how they like the the overacting that was going on, and it was remarkable. Like, like, like <laughs> and the only way you get away with that is if you're in on the joke and you know right. that they're all they're all like that. You needed that so that when you met Dennis Leary, you were like, "Oh, these are the rebels." Like, you needed, yeah. you needed that juxtaposition of that. Otherwise, it would have been like, "Oh, they're just because they wanted it to be like they were Stepford citizens." You know what I mean? Like, and and, mm-hmm. and a lot of the time, I get it. Like, it comes off really corny and gets kind of. Annoying, like even Benjamin Bratt, like that's like him in it. Like, oh it, god, that's
0: he's, he's so corny, so
2: corny, but that's like the, that's the character, and I, I get it, but it's also like, all right, you, I, I know what you mean because you uh, you're like, we get it, we get it, we get it, we get it, but that's the whole point of the world, I guess. So that you can be like, we're taking this down, we're bringing it back to the way you know the world, like that, you know, whatever it is.
0: Yeah, we yeah Dude Sleary's final line, is like, we're gonna go get drunk, and like that sounds like another part of his. I'm ad, sure yeah. that was
2: ad libbed I'm <laughs> sure he was just like, you know what we need to do, we got drunk, we'll smoke some cigarettes. <laughs> We'll yell. We'll do an MTV commercial. It'll be fine.
0: <laughs> All right. What? Uh, so, so. Bottom line. Did you enjoy the movie, Sean? Uh,
2: here's the thing, man. Um, I'll tell you what I enjoyed about it. Did I enjoy it overall? Uh, I want to say because um, there's because there, it's kind of a loaded question because what I enjoyed about it was the nostalgia of realizing that. I'm finally watching something I should have watched in the '90s. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I, like I, I have this thing in my head of like, oh, I'm, I finally checked this out. The you look at a young Stallone. It's like it's like oh, these these kind of things aren't made anymore. This was um, really it was it was fun to watch because it was so self aware. So I'd say yes, I enjoyed it overall, but I'm not going to go back and like we we have a thing on our podcast called the the the, the 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 flip test. If it was on cable, would I flip back and watch it? No, I wouldn't do that.
0: Okay, but you did enjoy it overall. I so did that, enjoy that, it overall. Yeah, that's all I need, and that's another point for me, Cody. So. <laughs>
1: that's again another questionable point for you. <laughs> <laughs> this is the second. This is the second mild yes he's gotten that he's accepting as a point. So hey, it's you made the rules. <laughs> that's true. I'm uh, it's, yeah. I'm, I fucked myself on this one.
0: Okay, so so uh, um, uh, you gave us a recommendation uh, to watch the movie Bumblebee. Uh, which is uh, a Transformers movie, and you noted not a uh, Michael Bay film. Which I I, w- I just want to go back and add that I I forgot about this when we talked about it. Your buddy Aaron Krueger wrote several of those Transformers movies.
2: Oh, y- y- did he? Yeah, now I Bay. <laughs> yeah, ah. <yeah>. uh... <laughs> I,
0: I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to put you on blast there, but uh... um,
2: no, but I, I don't have a problem with the writing. I just have a problem with the. I, the, I, like like what we said before, it's more that I, it wasn't. Um, the, the, it was more the aesthetic of it that it it wasn't. It didn't remind me of my childhood at all. But, By the but way, Bumblebee th- did. From, from, but Bumblebee. From did. what
0: I, for, for I what I think is that Michael Bay doesn't give a shit about whatever's written down. He's just doing what he wants to.
2: Anyway, I I so. agree with that too. And all, yeah, and also I think that it uh, you know Aaron you know uh, you know he's it's Michael Caine man. There's a paycheck involved, dude. right, yeah, do no, know. I'm not. I'd I write I one I too. Bet. I'd write one too. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would, I would do it in a heartbeat. So, what? Let's remind everyone what drew you to pick Bumblebee for us.
2: The reason I picked Bumblebee is because of my dislike for the the original ones that came out. of uh, it not reminding me of the Transformers and not being a a human enough story of just being like. Uh, just this clash of metal the entire time that that I, I have there's no stakes for me I had I had no emotional connection to uh, the regular Transformers movie but Bumblebee made me uh, got me into it there was a human element to it it reminded me of the Transformers from when I was a kid it almost reminds you of like how you play them the look of it I liked a lot way way better mm-hmm. and it was a way more personal story so that's why I said check it out because they really they got it right like it's what these should have things should have been the whole time.
0: So, uh, full disclosure: I saw it yes. when it came out, but I haven't seen it since then. Same. And Cody, you had the same same situation. So, I want to know what you thought of it upon rewatch, Cody.
1: Well, you know, I I remember coming out of the movie being being surprised that it was good because I I you know the Michael Bay I mean look the bar was not set super high with the Michael Bay movies. Um, and and again, for all the reasons we've talked about, I think Sean, you actually pointed out on something super interesting that, that I think both Jared and I have had conversations about, which is the fact that the Michael Bay movies were reliant, so heavily reliant on like. Like, um, like, uh, like robot versus robot or whatever, whatever they are. Sorry if they're not robots. Um, uh, but like, you know, entirely CG battles, which in Michael Bay movies were just a bunch of noise and pictures and they hadn't, I mean, there was nothing to them. Um, right. And so I think, you know, I, I came away with the rewatch, um, really reminded of the super, like, like, it's a very human and, um, a very uh there's a very relatable story at its core which is more than you can say about any of those bay movies but i I think the thing that surprised me about it not super positively but but just kind of i I forgot that it that it feels it or at least for me it feels it felt more juvenile than i remembered where oh sure the idea like it feels like it's geared towards like a 10 or 11 year old and maybe that's the initial maybe that's a harkening back to what transformers are always meant to be for um but sure
2: yeah that's what it should be
1: yeah and i think that that, that i was surprised by that because i forgot that you know you, starting the movie on cybertron and then showing like bumblebee as like a soldier basically and then having him having bumblebee come back to earth and be like a scared puppy or like a newborn or something like that. The, 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 it it was a little, it was more jarring for me this time around where I was like, this is kind of, this was weird. It, it, it it doesn't, it, it, and, and like going down the, the juvenile nature of, of it. I just kind of forgot about that. You know, that being said, there's a lot of great elements to it. The soundtrack is fantastic. Um, and one of the, the better parts of the movie, there's some funny gags too you know, like, uh, you know, bumblebee spitting out like the Smiths. Um, was it the Smiths? Right, the Smiths cassette. <laughs> yeah, it was the Smiths. Um, which is a funny gag, and and I think it's 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 a charming movie for sure. Uh, I, I was just I I was I I found myself less engaged the first time than the first time I watched it too, um, just by the sheer, the juvenile nature of it, where I found it a little bit harder to dig into because I I I thought it was a little bit more kiddie than I than I remembered it being. But um, I mean, look, Haley Stein, Steinfeld is really, really great in the movie, and, and I think propelled. I mean, it's the best performance in any Transformers movie easily, and uh, and I think her story makes it enough makes it enough to be like a worthwhile endeavor. And for sure, the the best of the live action Transformers movies. I was just um, a little surprised by the, uh, like I said, the, the that it's so geared towards that younger age group, which I, I don't remember. I didn't remember. Sure,
2: and I agree, and that's one one factor. I didn't. Um, <clears throat> and I didn't. When I recommended, it, I didn't. I didn't watch it super recently, so I kind of forgot that aspect to it. But I do think you're absolutely right. But to me, I'm like, even with that, it still Trumps. Sure. It tr- well, trumps. I can't even say Trumps oh. anymore. Uh, it, still, <laughs> it still, you know, beats out the other ones for me because, uh, because of that personal aspect to it, and because, like, think about what what they made with uh, the fact they made it for kids. It's like that's what it should be for. Because that's what Transformers is. Sure, Sure. Uh, yeah, I, and well think about think about what they could The more I think about it, they could have made the, the original Transformers could have been this really cool idea where it's talk about self-aware. You could have had it where the main protagonist, the main character grew up playing with these things and it turns out they're real. And that's and then they come down and, the, and they have the whole the whole But think about how much more personal that would have been to make it where it's like like in the real world where the to- hey, I used to play with these toys as a kid and then over the course of the first half hour of the movie, he realizes, holy shit, these things have been hiding here the entire time and they were they were based off a real thing. Just that alone would have made the second half of the metal clashing that much more enjoyable. Do you know what I'm saying? The minute mm-hmm. you add anything like that, where it's like you're connecting the audience to it, which would have done for, especially me and you, Jared, because of the whole, like, pl- I don't know if you play with them as kids, but I, I used to have oh, them. Of course. So it, it like that, but that's what Bumblebee did. It's like you, like, it, but they showed you the character. Was young, so that's that's where you had that, like, oh yeah, I played with the Transformers. When I was young, so that this, this is translating. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's you're really, really making it way more enjoyable when when it's about the heart of what that thing was supposed to be about. You know, well, and, and then I think you mentioned it. Uh,
0: by the way, I still have my Transformers. Oh, I,
2: nice. I, uh, I'm I'm
0: one of those guys. Um, but uh, the the notion that that Bumblebee, uh, more so than any other film in this series has actually bothered to make a transformer an actual character and i think that's some of the things that that were really missing from yes. the michael bay thing like yes. why do i give a shit about any of these things i again i still don't love that bumblebee doesn't talk uh, i mean it, it plays okay in this movie but it 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 does kind of cheapen the uh, uh lessen the impact of the character somewhat but man in those
2: michael bay movies I don't give a fuck about any of that. That's my point. That's totally the fact that that made him a character. That's that's a very succinct way of putting it. But the Transformer was a character in this. They're not characters in the other one. They're just gigantic machines that have a relationship with the the uh, the humans. But this is like you when you're actually feeling you're you're not feeling bad for Especially and also the look of it, like they made made when you say they make him a character physically as well. You're making mm-hmm. them, you're making them so much more human looking than the ones yeah. in the original movies. That's why you're connecting as well. Well, and
0: the, and then, uh, speaking of like loving, you know, Transformers growing up, there's a ton of Easter eggs in this movie. Uh, of course, there's Optimus Prime is in it, who has been in the, all the other films, but he actually looks like he did back then right you know right. as the toy there's you know there's sound wave and he, he gets his, you know eject the tapes and yeah, everything yeah yeah um and then uh, i don't know if you noticed this is a real throwaway I, I didn't notice this until the second time i watched it the the neighbor kid who has a crush on the main character uh is reading like a Gobots magazine when he comes out of the house oh
2: that's funny i never picked that up
0: uh, i mean it's just a, obviously a little throwaway thing but uh um it, it's very much uh, um and I don't know if this uh if we talked about this before but it's very sp- uh Spielbergian if you if that's a noun I think it is a, or a verb I think that is a verb. Sure. It feels very much like kind of an e- a take on ET. Sure. Uh even even to the point of like having the you know the California setting and the the character who's hiding in the house and and everything else. So it has a a, a way more human element than any of the other Transformers yep. movies did. And one of the things that that I really don't like about the Michael Bay movies is the like fetishization of the military stuff. Um, right,
2: he's big guy. He's big
0: on that. But uh, this had you know this had the military aspect. But I think it's really humanized by John Cena, who I think is is really good in the movie. He's a good you know, actor for what it is. John
2: Cena is f- fun to watch in movies, and,
0: and he has some of the greatest lines. I think. The, the nice self-aware lines Where he talks about He says like These guys are called The Decepticons Why are we
1: trusting them
2: <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah That's what I mean Like that's what you It's so good Like that's that Just little things like that Man, it makes it so much better For the movie watcher You know I think w- yeah. I think overall As a public we become more discerning When we're watching movies Because we're so used to them And like Especially with like How much we How much we ingest Pop culture And we want to find out Like you know when, when something's coming out That I'm really into I'm finding out Information you know, you're finding out, the, like, even with the Tiger King movie, we already know Nicolas Cage is in it. We have a little piecemeal, you know. So, yeah, if it's not, yeah. if we're not just getting just the movie anymore, and, we ha- and we're and we aware of the universe surrounding the movie, the fact when you have it where it's you're talking like my friends would talk about the movie in the mm-hmm. movie, it makes it that much more enjoyable.
0: Oh, yeah, no, for 100%. I mean, it's. You're never going to go back to the days of being totally surprised by what happens, right? Uh, which is which sucks. Yeah, because a lot of um, these things
2: follow a formula, and and you can't. There's only so many scenarios you can come up with, you
0: know. Well, and and you know, um, I don't know if you're big on the Marvel movies. I am, I am. Uh, uh, but like Thor Ragnarok, is is a great movie, but the trailer ruined the best surprise in the movie. Was it, it the, 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 Hulk, the, Hulk the Hulk thing? The Hulk yeah, showed. yeah. Yeah. I mean, that. It, can you imagine seeing that in the theater unspoiled? Oh, but great. I mean, it would have brought the house down.
2: It's like the From Dust Till Dawn thing. That's an even bigger thing. You know about that, right?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. The the turn in that one, yeah.
2: Oh, um, my God. Imagine how amazing. First off, you could never, ever do that. And even when that came out, when From Dust Till Dawn came out, uh, which is the same <laughs> about around the same time as uh, a year after Demolition Man, I guess, 95, I think it came out. But
0: I think, yeah, 90, yeah, something right there, yeah. But
2: imagine that reveal, that you walked into a vampire <laughs> movie without realizing, oh my god, it would have been... That rib- I, that
0: I have a story about that. So I saw the movie, and I wasn't a big fan of it, um, personally, but my dad, uh, several years later, told me, he like stumbled across it on cable somewhere, and he was watching it, and he's like, hey, I was watching this movie called, I think it was called From Dusk Till Dawn, and I said, oh shit. And he said, yeah, it was a great like like a crime movie uh you know with with george clooney and uh and tarantino yeah and then he said and then all of a sudden there were fucking vampires in it. i said yeah i said yeah i know that's the, that's the crazy twist to it uh, but yeah he really loved the first like two-thirds of it and then the vampire stuff he was totally not on board for but yeah again that's a huge turn that that you never would have expected and you you'll probably never get again unless you just stop watching any sort of trailer or disengage entirely you can, there, it's media.
2: impossible to do it people would find out right away you know word of mouth and all you know every every website online every Twitter account it would just be, you would never be able to do a turn like that yeah so uh so cody how did
0: you uh, ultimately come away from bumblebee was it something you said you weren't as impressed with it but is it something you would let's let's do sean's let's steal from uh, from defend your your movie and if it was on would you uh change the channel the flip, test. Watching it? The flip, the flip test. test yes
1: uh i i would probably say that i i don't think that i would return to it i don't think i would I think i would change the channel i i think that I, I, I do agree that visually it's really amazing, um, and, and I think it looks great. And the, the idea of the human faces, and because there's really tender moments in the movie that really, you know, are successful. Even though you've got a giant, you know, transforming thing and in, and in, in an actress playing a girl, I, I think that the, the emotion of it really comes through um, successfully. That said, I, I feel like. I, I could not tap into the part of it that was entertaining for me beyond. I, I think the ET comparison is actually a really good one. It's very ET ish yeah. um, in in Definitely. its construction, and um, and and I just I found it to be a little bit too uh, too uh, juvenile juvenile and childish to 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 really make it a long lasting thing. I'm not upset that I watched it. I think I th- I, I think it's entertaining enough, but I, I don't think that I would go back to it.
0: I have an easy mark for this stuff, so I definitely watch it again. I mean, and this, and it is by far the best live action Transformers movie. I mean, it's not even close. And I, and I love, and I, I I mean, I don't love, but I still have some like fondness for the first one because it's not totally stupid and insane. That the first Transformers movie has some elements that, that were not terrible. Yeah, but. it doesn't
2: it doesn't turn the corner completely but it, but it I know what you mean. You, you you it's it's tolerable to watch parts of it.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm really upset that they abandoned the Anthony uh Anderson character going forward cuz that was actually like the good part of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. And they stuck with shia labeouf Oh well. <laughs> uh whatever. Uh great. Uh Sean, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Thanks for having a me, lot of guys. Fun. Yeah,
2: this is this is uh, great, guys.
0: And you can listen to Sean, uh, week uh, Wednesdays on uh, SiriusXM Raw Dog uh, Celebrate. That's four p.m. Eastern, and uh, currently through the end of March, you can get a uh, free trial subscription to uh, SiriusXM. End of May. It's
2: May right now.
0: End of May. That's quarantine. Uh, That's quarantine talking. (laughs) Quarantine talking. Um, Yeah, I don't. I don't even know what I said. He said March. uh, But it's March. March. Oh shit.
2: (laughs) You said, you said Smarch, which is from The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah,
0: lousy, lousy Smarch. Uh, that's something I could talk about for hours, too. Oh, God, um, yeah. Uh, you use uh, SiriusXM.com uh, slash celebrate, correct?
2: Uh, yes, and then you hit the link and you sign up for a free account. Uh, we sign up for and- to, to enjoy the free streaming until May 31st.
0: And you, you can listen I, – I, I mean, I, list, I I have satellite radio in my car and obviously have the app. I, I, I don't think I ever listen just to the radio. I think I listen to the app ten times more than I do – Oh, that's
2: great. Yeah. Uh, I think a lot of yeah. people are listening on their phones just to, to be able to, to, to get more content now that we're on the quarantine. Yeah. And they're not in their cars as much, obviously. Right.
0: Also, you have a, a podcast with um, um, Andrew Fiori uh, called Defend Your Movie yes. where you talk films um, – that it's every week, correct? You're it's putting that out?
2: Every week it comes out every Friday.
0: Every Friday. So you can get that wherever you get podcasts. Uh also, uh Cody, them, tell, tell everyone
2: about our stuff that we have.
1: Yeah, well quickly also, Sean, you got your uh social media accounts too, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. so it's
2: I'm I'm the same thing on Instagram and Twitter at Shawnee Time, S-E-A-N-Y-T-I-M-E.
1: Perfect. Yeah. Cool. And uh, as far as we go, we've got uh, two other podcasts out. We've got the Not podcast where we uh, we are reviewing. I ran into the same thing you did, Jared. <laughs> we are <Yeah. laughs> we are reviewing uh, the weekly VOD releases uh, that are coming out uh, every week. So we're usually doing like three or four of those. Um, and then uh, we've got uh, Re MCU, which is our Marvel rewatch podcast where we are uh, revisiting the Marvel Cinematic Universe and seeing how our opinions have changed. Uh, or if they're the same. Uh, And then also, for me personally, you can find me on Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays uh, on The Ramble, a podcast with uh, comedians Jerry Rocha and Eddie Pence.
0: Cool. And uh, every now and then I've got something published at thehardtimes.net, the uh, punk onion, if you will. (laughs) Uh, It's a lot of fun uh, writing for that stuff. Uh, Again, Sean, Donnelly, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, guys. This was a whole lot of fun. Yeah,
2: this was a blast, man. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Sure. uh, Anytime. Uh, uh, On that note, my name is Jared Kingery. And I'm Cody Viafania.